0: The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money. Welcome along to the special edition of the New Zealand Business Podcast. Occasionally we like to capture the action from an event, as we did in our very first episode. This time around, I'm talking about the BNZ Startup Alley, which is run in conjunction with the Webstock Conference in Wellington each February. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll enjoy hearing some of the stories from New Zealand's freshest startups. Now, what the BNZ Startup Alley offers is an opportunity for startups to, uh, to get a bit of a helping hand uh, as they get underway. And the two winning startups actually receive $10,000 cash from the BNZ, a uh, trip to the United States, and space at the Kiwi Landing Pad in San Francisco. Now, this year there were five judges, uh, Dave Moskovitz, uh, professional director, investor, uh, business mentor and startup guru. Uh, he was joined by Sasha Judd, partner at Buttle Finlay, uh, who specializes in working with startups and high growth tech firms. Uh, also, Lance Wiggs, of course, uh, who's been on the New Zealand Business Podcast before and a well-known uh, business advisor and investor. Also, Deborah Lee Marlowe, a serial entrepreneur who now runs a business in the Kapiti Coast, uh, helping businesses improve their cash flow. And Harry Ferreira, who's the uh, head of small business at the Bank of New Zealand. And under his uh, leadership, BNZ has won the CanStar Award for Best Small Business Bank in New Zealand for the last three years running. So let's get underway and hear from... Uh, a group of the startups who competed in the BNZ Startup Alley and made it through to the finals. And then we'll hear who won and wrap up from Lance Wiggs following uh, his work judging the competition. Right now I'm with Lara Charles. Now Lara, tell us about your startup.
1: Cool. Well, we're Planet Goodness and Planet Goodness is an online marketplace for New Zealand's best eco and ethical products. So we bring together New Zealand's best ethical brands into one online hub. And we know that we know that they're New Zealand's best ethical brands because we have an independent and expert panel, vet and approve everything we sell. So we're really trying to address the, the current barriers to ethical consumption, which are you know, greenwashing is a big barrier, price is a barrier and access is a barrier. So we're trying to bring all the brands together. Certify them and guarantee that they're generally good, and then run some promotions and combined shipping things to, to address the price barrier.
0: So, are these going to be products that are unique to your marketplace, or will people be able to get them in supermarkets and other stores as well?
1: Bit of both. So, some of our products uh, you can you can find in organic grocers and supermarkets, but we're work- we're working really hard on curation of really cool products that you won't won't find in supermarkets. So, right. that's going to be our focus for the next you know six months. Is just you know we have an intern that's rollers to purely fine these awesome products that you, you can't find and that we know that, that that's a barrier to why people aren't engaging in, in ethical consumption so we're going to take that pain away and, and find the products for everyone.
0: Okay, great. And how will you get the word out? How are you going to attract an audience?
1: You partnerships is a is a big thing for us. For example, we donate a portion of every um, sale to charity partners, and our charity partners promote Planet Goodness throughout the networks as a way to raise funds. We've got MOUs in place with like minded kind of conscious organisations. So, partnerships are a big marketing channel for us. Mm. Um, you know, we we have launched just over just over a year ago, and our database has been built largely through word of mouth. So, we also want to once we get some funds behind us, you know, obviously trial some online marketing channels as well.
0: Okay. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for your time, Lara. Thank you. <laughs> so, right now, I'm with Paul Organ and Kurt Meyer, guys, tell me, uh, tell me the name of your startup and what it's all about. Yep. So, Boardingware is a um, student management system for boarding schools,
2: and it allows staff to effortlessly manage their borders via their um, iPad, uh, smartphone,
0: or computer. What What sort of features and capabilities does it include?
3: Uh, so. We try to streamline all their core processes. So it helps them with uh, tracking their students when they go out and leave. It helps them build up personal profiles for each student, so pastoral entries, um, also automatic meal counts, and parent interaction is also a part of the system.
0: Great. And where are you at the, in, the, in the development uh, phase of it?
2: We are almost about to release version one, but we've got 13 beta testers um, in four different countries and we have um, two people already paying and um, about 40 that have um, reached
0: out to us to um, yeah, re- look into boarding wear. Great, and are there, are there any existing uh, competing online products in this space already? Uh, yep, there's
3: two companies that started around the same time as us. One's uh, down in Gore from New Zealand and the other one's in Perth, Australia. Okay,
0: well, great. Well, thank you for your time and uh, best of luck.
4: Hi, I'm Owen, and I'm CTO of HoistApps.com. And I'm Andrew Boutell, I'm CEO of HoistApps. What's HoistApps all about? So HoistApps is a, a platform for web developers. So essentially, we're providing the building blocks for people who are building web apps uh, to get their web apps online incredibly simply and easily and cost-effectively. So it allows people to build the smaller, more niche applications that businesses need uh, for for a more cost-effective sum, essentially.
0: And does that mean that the skill set needed by uh, the developers is... You know, it doesn't need to be as as high because they're able to leverage on, on the work that you guys have done? So not necessarily. We still um, provide uh, very technical
4: APIs. You know, they're, they're things that developers would use regularly as part of the, the way they build applications. And we also don't take away from developers the need to understand their problem and what they're actually building. What we do is we take away all of the extraneous stuff from building the solution essentially so they can really focus on that that idea Um, so for example we take away billing um, needs so that you can quickly uh, hook into our APIs or uh, users managing of users or managing of data Uh, you don't have to have a back end you don't have to have a server if you don't want to however you could if you did want to and when do you when do you launch Uh, so we've just gone into open beta that was uh, a week ago Uh, that means that we're open for people to come and sign up to Uh, we don't Uh, expect a a huge number of production applications on there right now so people using it regularly day in day out but we do want people to be uh, playing with the platform showing us what's what's right and what's wrong Uh, and then our aim is to go into production later on this year essentially
0: okay now in terms of heading towards ultimately a break-even and profit perspective have you got an idea of how many customers that you would you would need to make that happen we do. Um, right
4: now, we are targeting developers. Um, we want developers to love the platform. We want them to build software for their customers. But our business model is actually um, selling to their to our, to developers' customers. So our customer is the the business end user. So while we want to ramp up the number of developers building apps, um, the, the the way we'll make money is off the users of those apps. So at our current um, burn rate, we we need about 400 customers. Um, the goal is not to stay at our current burn rate. You know, we want to grow. Um, you know, this we're not happy. Just um, playing this safe. So um, with some investment, we'll ramp the team up. Um, We're looking at about 2,500 end users to break even.
0: Excellent. Oh, good luck with that. Thanks, guys. Right now with uh, Scott Mayo. Scott, tell me about your startup. Uh,
2: Well, Influx is a result of um, the outright pain that uh, our gym owners suffered um, trying to run their business from uh, some of the existing solutions. And uh, just the frustration that uh, they got from trying to run the small fitness business uh, with the existing software set was, was just pretty awful. And you know that they are the product; they are you know uh, what their business is. So if they're not in a good mood and they've wasted a lot of time, that's just driving their product downhill. So we seek to solve that problem by giving them the nicest and the easiest to use software to run their gym, and amalgamate across the sort of uh, the horizontals, and give them a bunch of software that's typically solved really well problem wise in a particular area but these guys don't have time to understand these huge uh, things you know like MailChimp they won't use 90% of that uh, but they need to send newsletters and they need a header and so we can incorporate that into one place make their lives really simple and give them back some time to do what they're good at which is coaching
0: Great, oh, it sounds handy. Uh, how are you going to approach the issue that maybe they're already using you know, some of those more complex features but you might not be able to incorporate them, you're trying to keep a simple product?
2: Um, We've found that their feature set that they require is actually really simple and, and we haven't had any requests for some of these features that... You, you might consider missing for some more common and larger businesses, the thing to remember is that these businesses are generally one or two people, and so there's not a huge amount of uh, feature sets that they're really trying to push through. Okay. And where are you at in the uh, the development process? Well, we've, I don't like to use the word beta, but we are live, we've got paying customers, um, we've just got a big marketing push, tidy up our website, and then sort of... Uh, Really, really want to hit Australia. That's sort of a massive marketplace for us. We've got a nice partnership in New Zealand. So we're kind of just r- sort of holding up to press go as soon as we've got through WebStock.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, good, good luck with that. And um, yeah, good, good luck for uh, tonight. Thanks very much. Cheers. So, right now, I'm with Serena Chen and Emily Maben Sutton from Hungary. So, tell us what Hungary is. What's this startup all about?
5: So we're Hungry Mag and we are an online magazine for teen girls and we're all about cool things like body positivity and inclusiveness and just villainous levels of smart and it goes really against the whole negative media landscape that's going on right now and that's what we're all about, openness, inclusiveness, nice things.
0: Okay, so what's what's the business model, what does it look like?
5: So we start off with little
1: ads just on the website that are very minimalist, and then we'll go to sell hungry branded products and really interesting things that they might actually want to buy, and we'll just listen to our readers. So whatever they want, we'll sell them. And um, we're also looking into some sponsors and partners in certain ways. For example, we've had boutiques that are doing photo shoots with us, which has been really fun. And um, Lush or Cotton On, we're in negotiations at the moment about what we can do there.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Now, what do you do to a, attract an audience? Do you know that there's, a, that there's an audience that's ready and waiting for the content you've got that's not being served by all the other um, the online magazines that are out there already?
5: So we had a hunch about this, um, and we were really passionate about positive media. So we thought, you know what, we'll do our market research to our sisters and friends and cousins in the, in the target demographic and we acted on that research and we just made the website it was done in less than 10 days and the response we got is the validation that this is something people want we've had we've been online for about a little over 2 weeks and we've had over 16,000 page views we've had people coming up to us giving us direct messages from like Portugal and random places in America, and we don't even know how they found us, but they came up to us and they're like, we want to write for you, you're so cool.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank
5: you.
6: So, right now, I'm with Indy Griffiths. Tell me about your startup. So, I represent Parent Interviews, which is a online parent-teacher interview booking website for schools. And what we do is we take the hassle out of booking parent-teacher interviews for schools and we handle it all on our website. It means it's easier for parents to book their interviews, it's easier for teachers to manage their interviews, as they don't have to sort out their own timetable, and we've got a ton of features for schools that make the whole process a lot easier.
0: Great. Now, have you got customers at the moment? Are you testing with people? Have you got paying customers? What sta- stage are you at?
6: We've got seven schools signed up across New Zealand so far. We've reached a partnership agreement with another educational company, so we are planning on getting another 40 schools by the end of April this year.
0: That's great. And how will will you charge for your
6: product? We're a subscription-based service, so schools sign up and they get unlimited access to our features for up to a year, and then it just renews.
0: Okay, that's great. Thanks very much, Indy. So right
6: now I'm with... Uh, Matt Hartley and Mark McCarty. We're from Scout. Um, I'm the CTO and Mark here is the CEO of, of Scout. Excellent. Well, tell me what's, uh, what's Scout all about. Uh, Scout's about simplifying bookings and inquiries for venues. Uh, so we basically saw that people have a need to try and find venues. Venues have a real pain, po- pain point with uh, dealing with bookings and managing inquiries. Um, it's across emails, emails pieces of paper, diaries, other things, and we think we can really solve that problem. So is it focused
0: from the venue's perspective or from the person booking it perspective, or you really cover the, the, whole, the whole base?
6: Uh, we're aiming to get end-to-end. Uh, we did start off trying to target the finding of spaces, but found that the marketplace approach is really hard to bootstrap. Um, so we've kind of pivoted a little bit Recently, and started targeting the venues exclusively, making sure that our booking system is the best booking system for them. So, even if an end user doesn't start an inquiry through Scout, the booking or the venues are quite happy to use our system to manage the rest of that process. Great. So, how many customers have you got so far? Well, we've got we've currently got I guess zero paying customers. We've got three uh, main uh, pilots without Welling- uh, throughout Wellington that we've got lined up, which. Uh, um, I guess, Paramount Cinema, um, Carter Observatory's library room, which we're going to do a small pilot with them. And we're also going to do a pilot with the Bolton Hotel would be the
0: third. Okay, great. And so what's, your, what's, your, um, what's the process from here to move to uh, you know, monetisation?
6: Uh, the big thing lacking at the moment, and that's, I guess, top of the roadmap is uh, a payment system, which we'll be working on shortly. Um, And from that, that will enable us to take a percentage uh, per transaction, per booking, um, which is a really easy growth strategy from there. So as the venues get more booking numbers through the site, our profits and success grow as well. Um, We also are exploring the avenue of something like a subscription for the more higher-end venues that may not want to lose 5-10% of each booking. Um, But yeah, since we don't currently have a payment system, we're flexible in kind of what happens next in terms of how it's uh, monetized, I guess.
0: Okay, that's great. Well, good luck. Uh, So right now I'm with Mark Zeman. Mark, tell me me about your startup.
7: Uh, So the startup is called Speedcurve, and it's a web performance monitoring tool. Uh, And it gives you detailed feedback on how the code base of your website is affecting performance. So it's largely for front-end developers and kind of managers of development teams um, to get a really great insight into how their website's performing. Uh, One of the challenges in the, the performance space is that it's very hard to get a sense of how your website's actually tracking when you're improving performance. There's no visible changes. The design doesn't change. There's no new functionality. So the monitoring tools and how you actually track uh, performance are really, really crucial.
0: So who are your target? Who are your target customers? Who are you going after? Is this global, is it local, and how are you going to sell it?
7: It's it's totally global, and I've been really lucky that um, I've been mentored by Steve Souders, who is um, Head of Performance at Google, who actually partly talked me into doing this product as an idea, uh, and he has been promoting it at uh, conferences internationally, Uh, so I've now picked up an amazing client list of people like The Guardian, BBC News, Staples.com, like a whole suite of international large kind of development organisations that can kind of see the potential of SpeedCurve and had very much the, the same problem that I had a year ago uh, when I wanted to, to solve this problem for my own organisation. So I've been really lucky to collaborate with those teams and they're helping me develop and extend uh, the product.
0: Great. And uh, how far along down the track are you in terms of uh, you know, revenue and uh,
7: um, profitability etc.? Uh, Well it's tracking really well, so I started about a year ago, uh, I ran a beta kind of mid-year and had several thousand people that that jumped on that, I've now been available commercially for four months, Uh, I've got now over 50 paying customers, the calibre of those customers are amazing and there's a really healthy um, profit and a a sustainable business model in there. That's great, best of luck. Thank you. So
0: right now I'm with... Uh, Carl from Watch My Gear... And Nigel. So, Watch My Gear, what's this all about? So, Watch My Gear is all about uh,
2: tracking portable assets. So, things uh, we're aiming at uh, construction, waste management, uh, hire and lease industries. And in those industries, they have a lot of uh, transportable transportable assets that they need to keep track of and it's uh, often the item isn't high enough value to justify a GPS tracker or something like that. So we've come up with a solution that uses a Android smartphone in conjunction with a web
0: app that allows you to track your asset every time you move it and drop it off. So how does that how does that actually work in, in practice?
3: So what happens is a truck driver who perhaps is delivering a batch of portaloos to an event would um, drop off the portaloos and then they'd pull out their Android phone um, the phone's got a QR code scanning component and I'd scan these uh, pre-attached stickers to each of the portaloos. Uh, when they do that, it grabs the GPS location of the asset, stores it in the phone and then uploads it to the server immediately. And what that means is that somebody at um, head office or back at the depot can look at a screen, see a map and see where all their assets are in real time.
0: That's great. And where are you down the track from a development uh, perspective and, and then uh, yeah, from a uh, monetization perspective? Uh, so at, the, at present,
2: uh, we just launched last week, and uh, we are currently trialling with a nationwide hire company in New Zealand. Great. And uh, within about one month, we'll be ready uh, with paid plans. And paid plans will be based on uh, monthly payments, uh, based on the number of assets
0: and users you have on the system. Great. Oh, well, good luck with that. Thank you. So, Lance Wiggs, tell us about the uh, the two winners, Hoistaps and Speed Curve. Why they uh, why they stood out to you at Startup
3: Alley? Um, well, first of all, let's say there were ten fantastic finalists, and um, it, it was a, it was a tough call to to choose these. But I think Speed Curve really did stand out on its own. He's done everything right. I found it really difficult to plug holes to poke holes into what he's done, and. Um, it's, you know, he's created this thing himself. He's, he's growing the business. He's doing everything right. It's appealing to devs. It's appealing to consultants, it's appealing to managers. And it's gone global essentially instantly with some amazing clients. So it was, to me, a, a pretty easy uh, solution, a pretty easy choice, rather. Um, and, um, and the other judges had different view, perspectives on all of these things. So this is just my perspectives, right? Um, and then Hoist... I found, um, you know, very very high quality team. Uh, the product looks really interesting. They're going into a market where you've already got some competitors, and my concern was that they've only got one paying customer. But I think we saw that they could really benefit from this, and that maybe in two months' time it would have been a slam dunk as well, a light like speed curve. So, uh, you know, that's why I, I would have. A plum for those guys as well, and again, each judge had a different opinion. Each judge banged their shoe on the table at different velocities for each of the each of the ten different companies. So, um, but look, some of the companies we didn't pick are also winners. Oh, all of them were, but you know, there were, there's some clear winners like uh, Thank You Payroll, who 400 paying customers right now, uh, just another 200, and they and they're um, you know above uh, m- m- meeting payroll, which and and they're and they're growing at a good clip. So and they've got some really good opportunities in the future so, so those guys are fine. Uh, Hungry who are the, um, it's, an, it's essentially a, a magazine, it's, we think about Medium it's kind of like Medium or um, Huffington Post but for girls and women who want a bit more than Cosmopolitan um, they want uh, r- real interesting articles and actual articles for for real women. and um, their quali- the content is amazing, it really is fantastic and so I just expect to see those guys continue to grow over time. And, and uh, Influx HQ, which uh, Scott uh, Mayo, he's aimed at CrossFit gyms only. It's a nice niche market, global niche market, which is everything we talk about in design thinking. He um, goes to CrossFit himself. He's had you know, eight years of history of making gym software for someone else, and he's designed this great product which will just keep selling and keep selling and grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And so on and so on and so on. Each company had a great story. And um, it's really, uh, it was hard to choose between them. Um, but most of it was, it was fun to hear all about them, to read all about them, to play with all the products. And uh, now we just wait and see, right, who's going to be the real winners. Um, one thing I loved was BNZ, um, Harry stepped up and said, you know what, let's give a $1,000 to our um, youngest contestant who came up with the, uh, the school um, parent-teacher interview system and uh, and it's whether that works or not and he's got some tough competition out there, the main thing is this guy is going places, what he's created is beautiful uh, and uh, it's clear that uh, we need to support him as a community and, and let's see where he gets to. So that's my take.
0: That's great now uh, one last question one more question. Uh, obviously, it's always a challenge, sort of getting from the, this point of having the ideas and and you know not having reached that break-even point. Um, is there any sort of you know general uh, advice that would sort of you know probably be re- relevant you know broadly across the board um, for these startups and, and you know startups in general and sort of the, you know what they should be uh, looking to add in on top of their own expertise and so on.
3: Um, well, the general advice for startups is that the best source of revenue, or so the best source of, of cash is revenue from paying customers. And so we saw a couple of things that were quite good. One company had taken money already from the boarding school app, taken money already from the customers before the app has even been created. And that's great validation, right? So, so the, first, the first lesson is take money from your customers rather than from investors. The second one is trust in organic growth. So looking at percentage growth per month or per, per whatever rather than absolute growth and admit that it's going to be uneconomic for the first six months, year, two years, whatever it is, depending on the product. And that means you need to um, either have the uh, – or don't pay yourself too much. Don't pay external developers too much. Do it yourself. Get everybody in the team who, who can do it. Do it part-time. You know, live on uh, – Doritos or whatever the hell people, people live on when they're not making any money, rice is, a, is, a, is what it was in our family and, and, just, and just work hard and, and grow this thing you know, do a bit of work on the side and just slowly grow the business until all of a sudden that curve is lifting off the ground and it's sustainable and you can hire staff and off you go so we saw that story right through the contestants today and that's what was so great about them
0: Excellent, thank you Lance Weeks The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money.